Hey, what's up? Do you want to play another round of what sound am I making? Uh, yeah. Uh, is that why you're really far away? Oh, does it sound like I'm really far away? Yeah. Oh, I shit. You, I thought you just needed room or something. N no, I'm like right up on the microphone. Ted's got like a, a 357 or something. <laughs> Here you go. Can you guess what I'm holding? Can, can you guess what sound I'm making? <laughs> De like no, so no sound for the rest of the episode. And then we release it anyway. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that got dark. All right, why is my my mic is my mic is incredibly hot for whatever reason? Oh my god. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> I keep so laughing. Oh my god. Honestly, that's probably how I'm going to go out. Like not not to like throw out like a a red flag or anything, but like cuz I don't have suicidal ideations or anything. But like that's a very right. fitting way to go out. Right. It's like the it's like a step backwards from Who's that guy Bud Court? I think Bud uh, Court is Bud the Dwyer, the senator? Bud Dwyer. Yes, yeah. Thank you. Who's Bud Court? Oh wait, no is idea. Bud Court the guy that like just died? Oh, you know what? My mic came unplugged after I was already in the room. So let oh, me Yeah, let me it. leave and then I'll come back in. Wow, that takes you like one second. You must have a computer made in this century. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like three years ago. <laughs> How's it sound now? Perfect. Okay. Excellent. All right. So... Now that our very dark segment is over, <laughs> Tim, do you want to play another round of guess what sound I'm making? Well, I just want to say how funny it would be. I, I do want <laughs> how funny it would be to take a step back from Bud Dwyer, which was like in when like the black and white television days, and it's like yes. And then there's even, like, whoever that other lady was that killed herself during the color TV days. Like, in the 70s, they made a movie about it. Rebecca Hall's in it. I forget what it's called. But, <laughs> oh, I have um, no idea. But, and then take a step back, like, no, FM radio is the perfect medium for a live suicide. <laughs> 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 it's, like, such a giant leap back. So I think uh, that was legitimately the hardest I've ever heard you laugh. <laughs> I like stop. like it's it was up there with land world it like, was it was a land i could have laughed a lot longer if, if, <laughs> we had, if we had really just stayed stayed with stayed on that riff track um but um yeah i just couldn't help thinking like the fact that we'd release it too was also cracking me up not only that but like it goes on for an hour still <laughs> yeah well what am i doing am i i don't know dead Ted, oh, uh, maybe no, I just do the episode. Like, I think I think you right. just do the episode because, like, look, I'm editing it. It's like eighty percent you anyway. I'm just react. Like, I listened to like my audio the other day, and I'm like, yeah. man, it would be very funny if, as a as a goof, I released just my edit, and it's like it's like every twenty seconds, I say, oh my god, <laughs> holy well, shit. I hope that's not my fault or anything. No, you no, it's, to, okay. it's just. No, it's just I mean you're you're the the driver, you're no you're the the storyteller like of the you're the the recapper. I'm right, I'm the right. reactor. Right. <laughs> but like if you if I sent you like my audio file, you would shit at like, "Oh my god, Ted is like not saying anything." I I, I don't I don't want to do that because I don't we want you to be like self-conscious of like oh no i'm talking too much because then our next episode is going to be 30 minutes long and then <laughs> i we'll think just... that'd be a welcome change for, <laughs> for the audience <laughs> okay uh do you want to play another round of what sound am i yes. making let's do it okay here we go gunshot sound <laughs> <laughs> was that it it sounds like you're cutting your toenails oh damn it okay uh, fi <laughs> fingernails but yes oh fingernails all right i should have just said nails dang it I was going to say, it, it, it could also be empty firing a three fifty seven. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, please, Tim, the term is dry firing. Oh, thank, damn it. See, that's how you can tell I, I didn't grow up, uh, you know, in the country or around guns or anything. <laughs> but your dad was in the military, though, wasn't he? Or your mom? Yeah, Air Force, though. They, they don't usually fire that's, out of the planes like that's that. That's true. That's true, yeah. <laughs> I would love, like, if he opened the window of the plane, he's flying and just fired down. All right, should we get going? Yeah, might as well. All right. Uh, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 8, Episode 9, Mr. Softy, the penultimate episode of the season. Before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, which was Car Periscope. I wanted to know 
who played the one-armed man, because I definitely recognized him. And I, I don't think I said this during the episode, but I was thinking it. I was like, I'm pretty sure I remember him from the show Knights of Prosperity in 2007, which is a very short-lived, I don't mean, it's probably one of those that they didn't even show the whole season show where like all these blue collar guys who do work in rich people's apartments in New York City plot to rob them and Mm -hmm. the working title of the show was let's rob Mick Jagger because that was oh my god that's incredible yeah that because he was the first target and he's like in the episode and stuff which is hilarious because he's like playing this uh dumb version of himself so it was pretty funny and and it's them scheming to to rob Mick Jagger and this guy was definitely in it. He played, gosh, I don't even know. I, I didn't even go that far to look it up. I should look up if Knights of Prosperity is on Hulu or not, but it probably isn't. But he was in it along with Donald Logue, who I thought was in Seinfeld, but was not. There's always a guy who looks like Donald Logue that I go, oh, that's Donald Logue, and it's not <laughs> not him. Sophia Vergara was in it, though. So this was like 2007. Uh, Maz Jabrani, Kevin when Michael was... Richardson, Ray Romano played a little part, probably one of the guys they were going to rob. When was My Name is Earl? Because I know that's the first thing I know Sofia Vergara from. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot she was in that. That's like uh, when she started, well, I shouldn't even say started like blowing up because that was with Modern Family. My Name is Earl, 2005. Okay, so this was post My Name. Well, not post, but uh, during yeah. My Name is Earl. Yeah. Why does mine say, oh, yeah, 2005. There you go. But what did she, I'm looking up. I honestly don't remember Sofia Vergara on My Name is Earl. What did she play? Was she, wait, was she not? On My Name is Earl? I thought, oh my god, this entire time, for the last 18 years, I thought Catalina (laughs) was Sofia Vergara. Holy (laughs) shit. I've thought this for 18 years, Tim. I guess all Latinas look alike to you, Ted. God damn it. You motherfucker. (laughs) Because of woke. Because of woke. Yeah, so <laughs> Knights of Prosperity was on ABC for, after nine episodes, they pulled, it was officially canceled, and then they put all 13 episodes up on ABC.com, but then they were taken down. So, actually, the first title is pretty funny. The first title was Let's Rob Jeff Goldblum, and then <laughs> Jeff Goldblum couldn't be on it, so they changed it to Let's Rob Mick Jagger, and then they totally just changed it completely to <laughs> Damn. Knights of Prosperity. I know, Which it's such sucks. a better, it yeah, sucks. really blows, yeah, like... Let's Rob Mick Jagger is so irreverent and it tells you everything you need to know about the series like before you even watch an episode. But that just goes to show you how much uh, TV execs know. So that's obviously pre this episode of Curb that Lenny Venito was on that show. He also played, I probably recognize him from this, James Murmur Zanconi in nine episodes of The Sopranos. He was a, a friend and AA sponsor of Christopher Maltesanti and he made Christopher's rounds while Christopher was in L.A. buying credit card numbers from... Beansy Gaeta's Pizzeria, and then selling the numbers at the Bada Bing. Murmur also went out to L.A. to meet Christopher because Christopher was relapsing. While there, Murmur and Christopher tried to intimidate Ben Kingsley and robbed Lauren Bacall of a gift basket she received at an award ceremony, uh, which were pretty funny. Like, I remember them trying to, well, yeah, they were were basically trying to rob Ben, let's rob Ben Kingsley, and he, like, wasn't having any of it. He was, like, just giving it it right back to him, and they kind of pussed out about it. Um, He was also appeared as John, an incompetent mugger in two episodes of Flight of the Concords, another HBO series. And he was in an episode of Ugly Betty, as well as in two episodes of Bored to Death, which will come back up again. Uh, in 1998, Ooh. he was in the movie Rounders, which I love. Anytime it's on, I have to like watch it all the way to the end. The like, 97, 98 uh, poker movie with Matt Damon and Ed Norton. And inter- another interesting Curb crossover. In 2004, he played Sal in the film adaptation of Tony and Tina's Wedding. Where you remember the episode where Larry goes to that performance and it's, and it's like immersive, like the actors oh, walk that's around, right? Yeah. And he talks to the guy in the bathroom. He's like, "Yeah, uh, this girl, you know, she's married to a real jack off or whatever." And he, you know, he he's obviously talking about Larry to Larry, and they get into a little, uh, you know, tiff about that. Uh, some other notable guest stars in this last episode, though, include Jonathan Ames, who played Larry's business manager Nathan Stein. Jonathan Ames created the show Bored to Death, which was also on HBO from 2009 to 2011, and also had the one-armed man in an episode. So, interesting crossover stuff. We remembered, but couldn't remember exactly, when the car periscope came up in the Larry David pantheon, the Larry David Cinematic Universe, and it was actually in an episode of Seinfeld. This is from... Oh, did I not even write the episode down? Why do I do this? (laughs) 
think this is from uh, oh the invitations I did write it down so the invitations from 1996 uh, Jerry imagines that in the future it's just going to be him and Kramer because Jerry said you know I think I'm getting a little depressed about George's wedding he's talking to Elaine and she goes really and he goes yeah well once he gets married that's it she'll probably get pregnant they'll move to Westchester I'll never see him again then it'll just be you me and Kramer and Elaine goes no not me pal I'm sick of being single I'm getting out and Jerry goes so it's just going to be me and Kramer and she goes yep just you and Kramer and she walks away and Jerry goes me and Kramer and he has a little daydreaming sequence (laughs) set in his apartment Kramer pops in and he goes hey buddy I thought of a great invention for driving a periscope and a car so you can see the traffic and Jerry's like how are you gonna drive when looking through a periscope besides it's not a submarine there's no room for a periscope and a car and Kramer goes you make a higher roof and Jerry goes they're not making a higher roof and Jerry says it's a stupid idea no one's gonna go for it don't you understand it's stupid stupid and he, he walks off into traffic in his uh days and he is caught by janine aka uh janine garofalo uh who ends up getting engaged to jerry after that <laughs> after she saves his life so that's where it came up uh, previously and say goodbye ted a little bit of trivia from this episode i can't believe it's true well m- well maybe it's not i mean because we got a whole other season uh, that hasn't even dropped yet but this was the last appearance of wanda sykes on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Wow. I know. Oh, my God. At yeah. least to date, anyway. To date, exactly. I'm I'm hoping she pops back up because she and Larry are just magic together. So I, uh, uh, I'm i hoping that we, we see her again, but who yeah. knows? If uh, if the, if that's actually the, the last of Wanda Sykes, that's a shame because, yeah, she's, she's a great character on the show. Yeah, always hilarious. Always a bright spot in the episode. Um, and so many great quotable moments from over the years but uh we'll see so that is it all right do we got any uh additional homework or news or anything you know i mean just a little follow-up from the reunion talk from last week you know jerry seinfeld who knows when you're listening to this maybe the super bowl's already happened and we all saw that hilarious commercial um but uh julia louis dreyfus someone asked her about the reunion and she said she didn't know anything about it she might be being coy and giving us the slip, you know, but let me see what she said exactly. She said, yeah, I just saw that news last night, and I don't know what the hell he's talking about. That's what she told The Guardian. <laughs> so, yeah, and then she said... That's like her key tell of she's lying. Of oh, like, I don't know what the yeah, hell he's talking about? Yeah, that's like her key tell of, like, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> Especially, like, whenever she says it, like, in the low and, like, grumbly voice. <laughs> yeah. Hang on one second. Yeah. But when is your podcast going to be done? I don't know, like oh. an hour? An hour? Yeah. What? <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> I'm not. I'm laughing at Ted. He's so Aww. sensitive about people laughing at him. He's so sweet. He's getting so big, <laughs> dude. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when is your podcast going to be over? <laughs> one hour? Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> All right. Uh, If you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last 26 minutes being almost exclusively research and bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 12 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over anything, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter, nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com or at nohugging underscore nolearning on Instagram. You can slide into our DMs over there. If you like us, you can give us a five-star rating and a written review over on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify if you use either of those apps. If you've already done that and maybe you like us a little bit more than just giving us a rating or a review, you can join us over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash nohugging, where for five bucks a month, you get early access to extended versions of all of the episodes we release. Like today... I don't know how much of our Bud Dwyer content is going to make it because, <laughs> oh my God, that got graphic very quickly. I, I think a lot of it because I just, you know, I was just laughing too hard to, to save that for the patrons. I'm sorry. We love you guys, but. <laughs> uh, so so th- some of that will be over on Patreon. I'm sure the, the episode will be, you know, at least like five, 10, maybe 15 minutes longer 
over there. Uh, but again, that's patreon.com slash no hugging, only five bucks a month. I gotta get the, uh, I think they offer free trials now. I gotta get that sorted out. Um, oh, where right. if, if it's like maybe a day or a week free trial, I would love to do it like by number of plays or downloads you get. Because like, mm-hmm. look, we, we, we've been going for a little over a year now. If someone's on a free trial for a week, you can listen to all of our shit and yeah, and not exactly. sign up. So, <laughs> like, I, I want to I want to get more people over there and turn them into subscribers. Please <laughs> join us over there. Uh, but then again, you know, I do kind of like the number of people that we have subscribed over there because we don't have to pay taxes on it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I always wonder about it's, it. It's, it's just under that threshold, baby. <laughs> Um, all that being said, season eight, episode nine, Mr. Softy, original air date, September 4th, 2011. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see an ice cream truck triggers a painful childhood memory for Larry that has a huge impact. I mean, huge impact is a little vague. It's a little hilarity ensues. We might be able to make it better at the end. We'll see what we can do because a lot of other stuff happens. It is kind of all covered by the... You know, it is kind of all tied together by the uh, Mr. Softy truck, but we'll see. We'll see. And we open at Isabella's, which was at 359 Columbus Avenue on the Upper West Side. It closed in May of 2016 after nearly 30 years. And depending on whose story you believe, the owner says, ah, damn these landlords and their rising rents. But the landlord said, I know actually the owner was walking away from two lawsuits, one regarding being sued over the awnings on the building, violating the landmark uh, district (laughs) rules, and the fact they're being sued for not having the proper ADA requirements, the Americans with Disabilities Act. Oh, my God. He says the owner is walking away from that litigation. The owner says it was rising rents. Regardless, (laughs) Isabella's is no more. But I also recognized it from Seinfeld as well. I knew there had been a Seinfeld, uh, it had been a Seinfeld exterior, and it's where George asked Jerry not to be funny. Oh, when around his girlfriend, like let oh, me be funny. Okay, okay. And so Jerry's very like, um, very know, like morose. Dry, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's he's got one of my favorite quotes. I think I probably send it to you every year, or which is you know birthdays are just another reminder that it's been another year and we haven't grown at all. And and he says happy birthday. No such thing. Um, <laughs> and the girlfriend, George's girlfriend, uh, is very attracted to Jerry's darkness, and so it backfires on George as it always does. By the way, because of a, an article about Curb Your Enthusiasm, like when I Googled this, I know that this exact scene was filmed on June 29th of 2010 because there was a little like, hey, I, we hear uh, Larry David's going to be filming at Isabella's at this. Oh, my God, uh, really? Wow. Like, I guess leaked before or something. So they're like, wow, they part of filming or whatever. Like, they what? filmed it pretty far in advance then. Yeah, yeah, pretty amazing. Uh, an interesting little insight into their production schedule. And uh, Larry is there with Jeff and Susie and Anna Gosteyer, who was also on Seinfeld in season seven, episode six, The Soup Nazi. She played woman. I believe she's just someone behind Jerry in line at uh, The Soup Nazi's place. Um, (laughs) So she won't go. She has no interest in going to Larry's softball game, which he points out is weird because they've only just started dating and they're not an old married couple where like Susie has no interest in anything. Jeff does. They're not at the phase yet of not going to everything that the other person does. Yeah. It is really (laughs) weird. She was like, no, I'm not going to. You know, that's probably like an age thing, too. It's like it's it's either the age of the relationship or the age you are where you're like. I'm not wasting my time there. You go to your softball thing. We're both well into our adult years. So Larry and Jeff are splitting the chicken and fish dishes that they got. But when they finally come, Jeff kind of welches on the deal and says he just wants the chicken because the fish doesn't look good. And Larry says the fish is delicious when he tries it, but he won't give him any because of Jeff welching on the deal. (laughs) Um, This never really comes up again. It's just a funny little interaction between the two. (laughs) Uh, While Jeff gets up to go to the bathroom, Susie asks Larry to get Mookie Wilson, who is in town this weekend, to sign a baseball for Jeff for his birthday. And it's while Susie is telling Larry this that he is distracted by the music from a Mr. Softy ice cream truck. Um, I got to say, it was kind of weird. I just noticed this in the title that M-I-S-T-E-R. They spell out Mr. Softy. It's not M-R-Softy. 
It's Mr. Softy. I didn't look what see what it was on the truck, but it's just a weird distinction. I, I think it was M I S T E R, which I think oh, it's always always been right. What do you Maybe? mean? It it's spelled Mr. It's spelled out Mr. Right. I get. I mean, is Mr. Softy like a real ice cream truck brand? I thought so. Oh wow! I mean, I I recognized it whenever I saw the name of the episode. I'm like, oh, like the ice cream, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I figured it was an, but I figured it was just like a generic name for. But maybe it is like a real. I mean, ice it, cream it truck. would make sense as a generic name. Yeah, yeah, and and also because of the joke that it it leads up to as well. Is, oh, for it's sure, just for too sure. perfect, too perfect. So we'll get to that whenever like, whenever it hits. Uh, it's, Mr. it's almost Softy. like the whole episode. Mr. Softy is the largest operator of soft ice cream trucks known for its stability. MrSofty.com, spelled out M-I-S-T-E-R. You can download the app and, and find see out where the, the trucks are. Find the nearest Mr. Softy truck. Holy shit. I wonder if that's because when we were in New York City over the summer, ice cream trucks are on every single block. Just parked. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't notice that they were Mr. Softy brand. They're not playing music or anything. They're just there, but they certainly serve soft serve and also like popsicles and stuff like that. So I wonder if that was, if those are Mr. Softy brands. I, I know I got like an emailed receipt from one. I don't remember what it yeah. said. God damn. Okay. So uh, based in uh, New Jersey, that's, uh, that's mm-hmm. the big thing. So that would make sense why you're seeing them all over the place in, in New York. Yeah. Um, if they were. Yeah. New Jersey. Uh, Camarillo and Ventura, California. Uh, we got Tulsa. We got Durham, North Carolina. We got uh, Montgomery County. I don't know where that's at. Hmm. Um, that's another New Jersey, New Jersey, New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, St. Saint, uh, John's County, Florida. Pensacola, Florida. Uh, Southwest Houston. Got a couple here in Texas. Um, oh, nice. San Francisco Bay, Central Phoenix, new state there. Uh, Stanford, Connecticut, getting that tri-state area. Uh, Lexington, <laughs> Kentucky, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware. Whoa! Uh, yeah, they're all over. Holy shit! Gotta keep and an I'm, eye out. Uh, Richmond, uh, San Antonio, and Austin, uh, Milwaukee, Myrtle Beach, Norfolk, Athens. Holy shit! They are all over the place. And when you go to your local Mister Softy, just tell him no hugging sent you, and you'll get a free double cone. Yes. <laughs> you, you'll get you'll get a free uh inquisitive look. <laughs> Take that to the bank. <laughs> so they are everywhere and they're real and I guess this was one of them that they kind of co-opted. But it do, it did seem like the whole episode was just based around this this one joke that Larry thought of. Oh, it's so. it's absolutely based on that. <laughs> For like sure. the whole the whole idea just he was like I, all right I'll just write an episode around that idea. They sell uh, <laughs> musical trucks, Tim. They've got a whole merch store and they have a Mister Softy oh. musical truck. <laughs> oh, I bet it plays. Oh my gosh, that's kind of awesome. I kind of want that now. <laughs> I bet it plays the song that Larry hates. It's only nineteen dollars. I might have to look that up. up. (laughs) So over at Larry's psychiatrist, Dr. Arthur Thurgood, whose office we know is next to the National Arts Club at 15 Gramercy Park South. So Larry went from lunch on West 77th Street to East 20th, 57 blocks and across town (laughs) to get... I mean, he's just all over the place in New York. I thought he was staying in the village, but we actually finally get a location of where his apartment is uh, later on in this episode. But he is just, I mean, they're just taking in no account into, but I guess maybe that is life in the city. I, I don't, but then again, I've, I've known New Yorkers and I have heard they really just only go as far as like a block from their apartment, like on a daily basis, really. You know, I mean, besides work, I guess, but you know, it's like the corner store, their apartment, the corner, the, the closest bar. It's like they do live for as big a city as it is, a very small existence, I guess, as, as uh, you might say. But Larry is not that way. He will go anywhere in the city at any time. Uh, so over at Dr. Arthur Thurgood's office, uh, uh, Dr. Arthur Thurgood, you might also know as the dude from Mr. Deeds. That's all I recognized him from. <laughs> I might have to do a shallow dive on him. Have you seen Mr. Deeds? I've seen Mr. Deeds, and I remember yeah. I remember this guy from something. Yeah. Uh, what's his name again? Do you uh, know? That I don't know. Okay. The guy from Mr. Deeds. What do I know I him from? I don't know from? his name. He does do a good job of playing like a funny stuffed shirt guy, which I think is kind of what he played in in Mr. Deeds because he's like this this old guy that kind of um, like lets loose a little bit. But I don't remember what he does. I guess we have to watch Mr. Deeds. Might be the only option. <laughs> well, we can. We can. Um, I know. Okay. I... Fred Melamed is his name. I like it. 
And, oh, okay, why did you take me to the gallery, IMDb? I don't care. Tell me, no, no, don't go, don't, don't, don't go to the homepage. Don't you dare go to the homepage. It went to the homepage. Um, I hate IMDb and the app because it never takes you where you want to go. Oh, you know why we can watch Mr. Deeds? Because John McEnroe is in it. Oh, my God. Holy shit. That's right. We can totally watch Mr. Deeds. Okay. Fred Melamed, known for a serious man. Oh, shit. He was in WandaVision. Oh, he was Barry. He was in Barry. That's how. Okay. So he was in Barry and wait, wait. Okay, you know him from Barry. And also, Tim, did you ever watch In a World, the movie In a World? No. What's that about? You would love it. Is it about the voiceover guy? Yes. Oh. He is in the movie In a World. He plays uh just like one of like the three or four guys who do all of the movie voiceovers that go in a world. But like his daughter is trying to break into a voiceover. Like I believe the main guy for a million years was Don LaFontaine. Wasn't that yeah. his name? Yeah. Yeah, and they and they and they touch on Don LaFontaine in the movie as well, but uh he plays Sam Soto. And uh, his daughter is trying to break into, like, movie voiceover industry. Oh, not a documentary? Oh, and... uh, no, no, it's a movie. Oh. Yeah, oh, it's a really, really good, really well done. Um, oh, I would, cool. I would highly, highly recommend watching it. I think you'd get a, a enjoyment out of it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so the reason I didn't recognize him from Mr. Deeds is because he's in a giant fat suit in Mr. Deeds. And I believe his famous quote is, <laughs> I think I just shat myself. Oh, my <laughs> God. I knew it was the in the restaurant. <laughs> um, but I, I I don't remember the scene too well. But that's that's the first thing that comes up when you search Mr. Deeds and Fred Melamed is the movie clip, the YouTube clip. I think I just shat myself. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Okay, what a legacy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's who this guy is, and we might have to watch Mr. Deeds now because I wonder how well it would hold up, knowing what you know about my Adam Sandler fandom. <laughs> And Larry is explaining uh, the, the traumatic incident that he had regarding Mr. Softy. And we get a flashback of Larry at like, I don't know, 11 years old or something. And he's playing strip poker with a girl in a Mr. Softy truck. And it's the last hand. And Larry drops his underpants. He's obviously lost every single hand. She has, you know, her shirt on and, and her shorts and everything. And the girl, when she sees Larry's junk, goes, that's pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> so is this where Larry got it? I guess uh, it must be. I, that's what we're kind of led to believe. Yeah, that his catchphrase in life, has in, in canon, has been ripped off from this girl a million years ago during the most traumatic experience of his life. Uh, because she happens to be the driver's daughter, and they are discovered, and Larry runs out of the ice cream truck, still naked, Everyone on the stoop and on the street laughs at him. And then we come back to present day and the doctor tries to work through this trauma with Larry as a therapist might. Larry instead would rather talk about whether it's okay for him to put his shoes, put his feet up on <laughs> the table in between them. And that's basically all that Larry wants to talk about. That's um, it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we don't dive in too much. Larry says, I, I like this little breakthrough Larry has. I, I, I always think that if she'd taken her top off, my whole life would have been different. <laughs> <laughs> if, he had, if he had, like, you know, essentially to 11-year-old scored, however old he was, who knows? But he might not be the successful comedy writer that he is today in that case. You know what I mean? That's but, true. Um, That's true. But also in his mind, he'd be better off because be better. he'd be normal yeah and he'd, he'd be getting women or whatever he thinks that would lead him to whatever path he thinks that would lead him to uh so over on a ball field larry asks yari so we finally meet yari from yari autonomics aka triumph the insult comic dog aka robert smigel doing his triumph voice as yari um, <laughs> wait this is robert smigel yeah it's robert oh my smigel. god okay you didn't recognize his voice no no i i mean <laughs> it sounds like triumph but you yeah. know i just figured it was <laughs> another guy who can do a triumph impression yeah it's it, which because i mean there's so many yeah uh, like i just did one yeah um, i i was actually talking about this uh earlier this week i'm like because because there's uh uh, like a few things that all men and all boys can do. It's an Arnold impression and a Borat impression. <laughs> yeah. And just how ironically you do those impressions is that's, that's <laughs> the only, because everybody, all guys do them. 
But whether you think you're being funny by going, there it is, yakshumash, or whether, um, you know, or whether you just yell, my wife, whenever someone says my wife, like Doug Benson does, ironically, <laughs> that's the only issue. But yeah, those three are, that's that's in my wheelhouse. Those are those are the three I can do. And so this is, uh, you know, but Triumph was always just kind of like an Eastern European borscht belt comedian voice anyway so that's really what robert's doing here and he gives a very inspiring speech before the championship softball game yari's autonomics has made it to the championship of whatever the hell league this is i mean how do you even organize a league of all the businesses in new york city who want might want to play softball how do you get into the softball league of all the businesses in new york and remember last or a couple episodes ago yari's autonomics was playing Sirius XM radio. So it's like, what's the qualifications for this league? How do you get involved with this? Because <laughs> when we see Yari's autonomics later on, it is no Sirius XM. So it's very confusing. But he gives a very inspiring speech about the other team and how we're going to fuck their sisters in the cunt. Yeah, uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he, he goes on and like, because uh, he's Steinbrenner. Yeah, uh, he, he mentions I'm over and over, I'm Steinbrenner. And Larry, he, you know, obviously Larry takes a step, uh, not a step back, but he's like, oh, okay. I, <laughs> I've, I know a thing or two about George Steinbrenner. Yeah, being George Steinbrenner. He is George. <laughs> he, you know, he was George Steinbrenner for yeah. all the run of yeah. Seinfeld. <laughs> George. And I, I I love the the chant though. Instead of like one, oh, yeah. two, three, let's get them. Yeah, it's yeah, one, two, three. Fuck these people. <laughs> yeah. Okay, everybody in. But one, two, three. Fuck these people. Yeah, <laughs> <the point. laughs> so cut to the last out of the championship game, and Yari's autonomics is going to win if they get this out. It's fielder's choice. You can throw to any base when you get the ball. And <laughs> yeah, I, I loved Yari, like you know, explaining to everybody. The last out of the game. He's like, you can throw it to first, you can throw it to second or third or, or home. As the bat, as the final bat, potential final batter gets up to swing, the Mr. Softy truck drives by and Larry zones out again. <laughs> and the ball, of course, goes right to him and right through his legs. And everybody is pissed at Larry because it was essentially a grand slam. <laughs> And they lost the championship game. One of the, I, I think it's uh, the woman who is either playing second or shortstop walks yeah. by and she's like, nice out, dickhead, or something. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Jesus yeah. Christ. And I, and Yari is just going, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he does say, you bucknered it. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was just going to be uh, an inexplicable. I thought it was going to be a yeah, one-off like exactly. reference. Now, were you familiar with Bill Buckner before this episode? Okay. Not at all. I knew a little bit, probably a lot because of this episode refreshed me because I remembered it as I was watching it that I had seen this episode and I kind of remembered what was going to happen but I was also a big baseball fan when I was a kid I collected baseball cards and stuff like that so I think I might have the lore of this might have been ingrained in me somehow that way too back at home Leon is outside of the apartment building because the doorman won't let him in because racism Ted like legit <laughs> won't let a black man like, like legitimately. legitimately yes that, that's that's what that's what it was <laughs> uh, and Larry apologizes for Caucasians everywhere while telling Telling Leon a little secret that he should wear glasses because white people revere black men in glasses. I, I don't know how much we want to dissect this, but Larry, you know, seems to think it's true. <laughs> and they uh, they go inside the apartment building. Uh, so over at Jennifer's, we find out, uh, I think we found out early in this episode, her name. I, Larry dropped it earlier that it's Jennifer's. Yeah, we, we found out not in the first scene of them at the restaurant, but I think the scene afterwards. Yeah, because he's talking to his therapist and he probably says, yeah, Jennifer's great. I'm going over to Jennifer's or something like I that. Think, yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so over at Jennifer's, they are getting busy when... A Mr. Softy truck drives by and, I mean, completely kills the mood in, in more ways than one. Yes. Because. Yeah, Larry Larry stops yeah. and Jennifer just looks at him. Did you want to reveal the punchline? <laughs> yeah, so when the truck drives by and she wants to get back to it, she goes, well, come on, Mr. Softy. Because obviously <laughs> Larry has gone limp and she calls him Mr. Softy, which only had to add to his trauma regarding the Mr. Softy brand, I'm sure. So over at Yari's Autonomics, which is a car shop. So now I realize that Autonomics is just a bad translation joke because it's obviously like supposed to be auto automotives, but he's foreign. So he called it Autonomics. Yeah. Um, he does uh. not sell, you know, automation uh, systems like we posited last week. <laughs> um, by the way, did you see that awesome billboard above Yari's? No, I don't think I did. It was a billboard for Evo. 
the first 4G phone. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> How excited we must have been back in 2011. And I could tell because it's written on a dumpster that Yari's Autonomics was actually Downtown Auto and Tire, which was at the corner of Bowery and Great Jones. And it was actually on the market around this time. It went on sale in like May of 2010. So if this was still June, um, you know, this this lot was for sale. But the garage, uh, you know, operated out of this place up until April of 2012. And then they moved to 2276 First Avenue, which is 117th Street, which is definitively not downtown. So I don't know if they changed their name. But um, I guess the Bowery was like really up and coming at this point because right across the street from Yari's was this uh, like beautiful new apartment building. And they were like really building up, um, I guess, what had been a dingy area. And so the article that I was reading was like a neighborhood blog about this. And, there, and it was like, I couldn't tell if it was being sarcastically sassy about it or whether they were being actually they were like finally Yaris is moving we've been waiting for this eyesore to leave the Bowery I think it was sincere I think they were like very glad that this like dumpy garage was finally leaving and that the lot had been sold or whatever and they were finally going to be able to clean it up because it just didn't match what the Bowery looked like in 2010 uh, anymore and this person was like who wrote this neighborhood blog about it was really just like finally oh i can't believe they last until april 2012 they just like hated yaris just like trashed it through this whole whole uh, little article they had written about it <laughs> but larry is showing up to get his car but yari well he doesn't really check but uh, he knows it's not ready and larry's like what are, you, what are you talking about you told me to be ready he's like oh well i guess i made an error and larry's like oh i see uh... i see okay he's like yeah sorry i dropped the ball God yeah. damn it. And so, <laughs> and so Larry is like, you know what? First of all, you're not the Steinbrenner. They get into a big argument about the team and whether Larry really blew it for everybody or what. And Yari gets very fired up, eventually firing Larry from the softball team and firing his key and firing his car. And, uh, and Larry gets to take his car out of Yari's, but they have a, a big, giant argument about it. Uh, over at uh, Baseball Memorabilia Show, it is unfortunately sold out when Larry and Leon oh, show man. up. But Leon thinks it's the perfect time to test Larry's theory and puts his glasses on and goes and talks to the security guard standing outside, and they talk their way in. They are in to the memorabilia show. And Leon is very excited about the discovery of glasses. First of all, he thinks he's going to pull a whole new class of bitches wearing his glasses. But also, Larry <laughs> thinks that the glasses have done more for Leon as the entire civil rights movement. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, better than the whole civil rights movement. Uh, and so Larry gets in line to meet the Mookie Wilson. They really did get the, the real ball player uh, here. And he's right behind Dr. Thurgood. And he tells Larry that, you know, remember when you were, would be at the department store as a kid and you'd see your teacher and you'd realize that she doesn't actually live at school. Well, I don't live at school. So if you'll excuse me, I'm going to essentially telling Larry, hey, I have a life outside of the office and outside of the office. I don't really talk to patients. Uh, so, you know, let's just stand in line. But Larry's like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about <laughs> to pull the Julia Louis-Dreyfus line from. And so he just goes on and on about the Mr. about the baseball game. And so Dr. Thurgood's like, all right, I'll indulge you and we can talk a little bit here. Uh, you know, I had this client who was a very famous musician. I won't tell you his name, but he was in Grand Funk Railroad. Oh, well, I guess I kind of told you everything already. Uh, so you could look it up. His name is Mark Farner. And Mark Farner, and he goes on and tells a story about... <laughs> and now Larry is distracted about... He's like, what do you... You just told me one of your patient's names. Like, doesn't that break? And he's like, oh, yeah, that was an accident. And Larry's like, all worried now that the doctor is going around telling people his name. Uh, but the doctor assures him that he does not make that mistake. Uh, and so all of Larry's, uh, you know, therapy sessions are uh, private. Uh, he just slipped this one time and mentioned Mark Farner from Grand Funk Railroad. It's then <laughs> that Larry looks over and sees Bill Buckner. And he was just called Bill Buckner. So he goes over and commiserates with him for a little bit. He's like, you know, the same thing just happened to me that happened to you. I mean, yours happened in front of millions of people at the World Series. But, you know, mine and... Uh, He's like, do you want to talk a little bit? I, I, you know, he's like, well, you know, I, I was going to take a break for lunch, but it's funny that like Mookie Wilson has like this huge line and Bill Buckner, like no one's waiting in line for him. Um, 
And so they, you know, Larry's like, well, I got to get this autograph from Mookie Wilson first. And Buckner is like, oh, I'll do that for you. He owes me one. And I wrote this down because I was like, this is probably funny. And I think later on it is revealed that I guess Mookie Wilson is the one that hit the ball that went through Bill Buckner's legs. That's the big thing that, I mean, we're just going to have to write this down a little bit for homework next week. Because obviously it was like before our... Yeah, I I, I wasn't totally sure. Yeah, like I, all I know about it is Bill Buckner made a game-losing error during the World Series mm-hmm. when the when, yeah. a gro- when an easy grounder just went through his legs. And besides that, I don't know much about it. So we might have to do a little dive on that uh, next week, a shallow dive. Outside the Lowe's Regency Hotel, which is still at 540 Park Avenue on the Upper East Side now, the Larry and... Bill Buckner's first conversation leaving the hotel is about how Michael Jordan is rocking a Hitler mustache now. Probably the first guy since Hitler to do that. (laughs) Which was a weird thing to see because Michael Jordan was in like commercials on TV in in 2010. I remember distinctly and going like, does he have a Hitler mustache? And sure enough, like Michael Jordan was rocking the Hitler mustache during this time. It was like, all right, I guess he's trying to reclaim it. Like, I don't know why, but. I didn't think it needed reclaiming, but um, but yeah, he was he was trying to pull it off. Uh, oddly enough, I remember distinctly a Haynes commercial where he's on an airplane, and and you could definitely see his little Hitler mustache. Like, why didn't anybody tell him? Hey, no endorsement unless you. But you know, maybe that's too woke. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't <laughs> cancel the Hitler mustache just because Hitler was a, was a dick. His mustache had nothing to do with it. Um, so the second Bill Buckner walks outside, he is being heckled. I mean, two dudes immediately tell Buckner, you suck. Those two <laughs> dudes, by the way, I definitely recognize the one with the red beard. That's Matt McCarthy. I had, to, I did have to look up his name. I definitely recognize as a, st- like from, you know, stand-up comedy clips. He's probably just been on stand-up shows that I've watched or whatever. Um, but the other guy was Robert Kelly. Does that ring a bell Robert at all? Robert Kelly. Yeah. He's I, just, it does, but it's just a very generic name. I know, I, I know. Don't know. Let me see. Yeah, I, I sure, I'm sure you'd recognize him if you saw him. Because he's just been, I can't remember who he's kind of, I, I feel like he kind of rolled with like Norm and Artie and, and that kind of crowd. Oh, Tim, he was yeah. in Dane Cook's Torgasm. There we go. So that's got to be one definitely. <laughs> I, I don't know if I remember him from that, but like, Jesus Christ, that was definitely a period of time. Tough crowd with Colin Quinn. I, that was a show I watched. Yeah, and, and he was on the Opie and Anthony show a bunch. So like that whole crew uh, he rolled with. On Sirius, another Sirius mention there, Sirius XM. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I totally recognize Robert Kelly and Matt McCarthy from various stuff. And then there's like more heckling from just the street. And uh, Larry, it's just all rolling off Bill Buckner's back. And Larry is amazed by this. They continue walking along. Larry asks if Bill wants to catch a Broadway show while he's in town. And he starts espousing next to normal. And I'm like, was this like product placement or something? Because Larry's like, oh, I hear it's great. It's about this guy who's like kind of bipolar and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, he goes on a little too much. Like, it's almost like a 15-second endorsement. Yeah. I don't know so what's going I'm going to write that down and just see if there was anything to that. Like, maybe it was produced by Cheryl Hines or something. You know, I'm like, there's got to be a connection. Or maybe Ted Danson was in it or something like that. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll throw you a bone. Sure, yeah, I'll mention it in the next in the next episode hopefully it'll still be playing a year from now when it comes out (laughs) and uh, this guy comes up to larry and bill and says we need one more jewish person to make a minion not a little yellow nonsense talking guy (laughs) this is something in judaism where you need uh you know a group of jewish men to pray over a jewish person who has died and you have to have 10 or something like that. And they're one short. And so he's like, come on, what, you know, we'll have free lunch. And that gets Bill Buckner excited. And I love when I love because they did this on Seinfeld, too. I love that they made athletes kind of simpletons. Keith Hernandez was kind of like this, like whenever they and and the other thing that did this really well is the softball episode of The Simpsons, when all those professional athletes are just like normal dudes who are like, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. is like, drinking that dumb that brain tonic or whatever and they're just they're <laughs> yeah, just so yeah, yeah. dumb they're like dumb jocks but they're not like your typical dumb jocks they're just kind of dumb normal guys you know it's like hey hey man i like some free lunch yeah kofax gave me some kishka once like, <laughs> like so i love that you know the famous athlete bill buckner's like well free lunch yeah man let's go <laughs> like it just it just cracks me up um and and seinfeld whenever they had you know people on danny tartable maybe to an extent 
was another good one from the Seinfeld days, but I just, I love it. When they show up, though, to the Minion, a Boston fan in the room refuses to be in the same room as Bill Buckner. So they kick out. They don't even want him in, they don't even want him in the Minion now. And uh, Bill Buckner is bummed about, hey, what about the Kishka? <laughs> as they're leaving. No free lunch. Sorry, Bill. So over at Jeff and Susie's, Larry shows up to give Jeff the ball for his birthday. And he's playing a fun little game of keep away with Jeff. And he goes, hey, Buck, catch. And instead of catching it, the ball goes out the window because Buckner again has missed a baseball that was headed towards him. God damn it. And Susie is pissed and Jeff is pissed. And uh, they get kicked out of that apartment as well. Uh, and that's where it comes up. You know, Susie yells at Bill about, you know, missing your baseball player. You can't catch anything or something. And he, he says something about Mookie Wilson and some sort of choppy grounder or something like that. So that's why I think that Mookie was the one that hit the ball that he missed. But again, we'll just have to find out next week. Over at Brasserie Las Hollis, which was a French restaurant at 15 John Street in the financial district. Actually, restaurant features, it has its own Wikipedia page. It's very famous. One reason is because it features prominently in a book that a one-time executive chef here wrote called Kitchen Confidential. And if you don't recognize the title of that book, that chef was Anthony Bourdain. So, yeah. Oh, shit. This is where he kind of like got his celebrity culinary career at the very least going uh, when he worked here. And he uh, and this hotel, I mean, this uh, restaurant actually went bankrupt in August of 2017, but then like reopened in 2022 and is still Les Hollis uh, right there. And Larry is there leaving with Jennifer and he talks her into coming back to his place. And in the car, Larry babbles while we find out this is one of the things that was broken, I guess, about it that he was taking to Yari's to fix. The front seat shakes incessantly. And so Larry is really babbling i mean this was like expert level babbling on the part of larry david like the man i mean this was all improv it was really good because it's it's inane but still kind of funny and also something you can ignore which she definitely is well you know you can ignore it while something funnier is happening and that is the rattling seat bringing jennifer to climax jennifer has an (laughs) orgasm because of the shaking seat what brings Larry to Climax is finding a spot right in front of his building. That's what he's excited about. He is totally oblivious to anything that just happened right next to him. Jennifer, she's tired. She just wants to go home now. Uh, she's done. <laughs> <laughs> like, can you can you drive me home? I'm I'm done. Yeah, she's like yawning and stuff. Like, oh, yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I, I just kind of want to go home. And Larry can't believe it because <laughs> they had already, you know, he had already laid the groundwork, uh, laid the groundwork for getting laid. Uh, um, you know, and that's one of the things that he's, Larry is talking about, you know, years before it was on anybody's lips, uh, not, pun not intended there. Um, he's talking about Netflix and chill because he's like, hey, you know, we have to sit down and, and watch TV and pretend like we're going to watch TV, but we know we're going to be having sex in a little bit. But you still have to like do the, you still have to turn on the TV. I mean, that's one of the things he's babbling about, which I thought was really funny. Like no one had given it uh, a name yet. But um, and, I, and I guess even net, saying Netflix and chill is probably passe at this point, you know, but for a while there it was really a, a trendy phrase. You know, it was just like the opener of everyone's Tinder chats from what I from what I knew. Yeah. Um, from what I did on Tinder. No, I'm just kidding. From what you did <laughs> it was on my Tinder. opener. Um, and so uh, Larry, you know, he's he he's driving her home. <laughs> he, he, I was going to say Larry pulls out and drives her home, but he never even he got into the spot right there in front of Milan Condominium, which is at 300 East 55th Street in Midtown East. It has 152 apartments on 31 floors. Right now, Ted, you can get yourself a penthouse. Uh, for it's got three bedrooms, three point five bathrooms, for a cool five point six million dollars. Jesus! Yeah. Oh my I know. god! Uh, and if you're looking to rent, maybe you don't want to take the leap into condo ownership in Midtown Manhattan. You can rent four B right now, which is a one bedroom, one and a half bath. I find it so interesting they have half baths. I mean, that's got to be really nice in New York City. Like you probably have an ensuite bathroom. And then one like in the family room slash kitchen and stuff like that's the dream, I bet for a lot of New Yorkers are like yes, um, <laughs> that's six thousand dollars a month one one bedroom one half bath. I didn't get the square footage on that. I should have looked. I should have looked that up. 
But you can just imagine, you know, <laughs> paying, you know, three to four times your mortgage maybe <laughs> for a one bedroom, one and yeah, a half bath. No but yeah, no nothing thanks. like nothing like being on Midtown in Midtown East though. Um, and so Larry is walking with Leon later. Larry thinks it was his previous performance or lack thereof, really, the Mr. Softy performance that changed Jennifer's mind and made her want to go home instead. Uh, and so Larry then opens up a bill from Dr. Thurgood for the little chat that he and Larry had in line at the memorabilia show. And so he was on the clock for that. And Larry's like, I, I'm going to go see him about this right now. And so they're driving to see Dr. Thurgood when Leon figures out, because I guess it's getting him there too, that the car, in his words, is a moving dildo. And he figured out that Jennifer <laughs> had an orgasm uh, sitting in the seat. And uh, my God, Leon has got a, such a good line here was that. She didn't want to come upstairs, or she didn't want to come upstairs because she was coming downstairs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is a pretty good turn of phrase. Uh, I got to agree. I cracked up with that as well. In Dr. Thurgood's waiting room, Larry confronts him about the bill and like, I can't believe we're going to, you know, you're, you're charging me for this because it's not like, you know, we, we were talking for an hour or anything like that. It was probably like five minutes and, and, and. Dr. Thurgood recounts a story, another story about an anonymous client who used to go see prostitutes. Uh, he, I, I can't tell you who he was, but he was a famous director and he directed Star Wars. And <laughs> he would go see <laughs> prostitutes and he would pay for an hour, but he only needed about three minutes, maybe five at the max to finish what he needed to do. And so, but yet he would pay for the full hour. And so that's sort of the um, comparison that he's making to the situation with this bill. And Larry's like, again, distracted by from what he came to talk to him about, because why do you just say George Lucas? Everybody knows George Lucas directed Star Wars. But as a true Star Wars nerd, I went, well, wait a second. It could be Lawrence Kasdan. I mean, we don't. But then again, maybe Dr. Thurgood is, you know, wasn't using, considering Star Wars as the first one in the series when a lot of fans might say he directed Star Wars A New Hope to differentiate when you're talking about Star Wars directors. Oh, you know, the guy that directed Star Wars, if I said that to a fan, they'd say, wait, which one? You mean George Lucas or you mean Irvin Kershner? Who's the, oh, maybe Lawrence Kasdan didn't even direct. I think I was thinking of, of Irvin Kershner who directed Empire Strikes Back. He handed over the reins. But yeah, he's, it's obviously a joke about George Lucas going to see prostitutes, which was pretty funny. Um, and uh, so that kind of distracts Larry and, you know, he's, he's on the hook for the bill anyway. But Leon brought his glasses, so he's going to try something, and it actually works. He tore up the bill and threw it away, and Leon's like, check this out, Mookie Wilson's autograph. You can replace the ball that Jeff, uh, that you lost uh, for Jeff, and I love Larry's like, oh my gosh, he gave this to you? He's like, no, I stole it. <laughs> Such a good line. Oh my God. That was so funny. Because uh, he was presenting everything like it was because of the glasses, and then he's like, just so upfront about like, oh no, I stole it. <laughs> So over at Jeff and Susie's, uh, Larry is pulling up to bring the baseball, but Susie runs out in a huff. She needs a ride to her cousin's place because it is on fire. So I need a ride right now. Let me in the car. And they argue. <laughs> Larry's doing everything to avoid having Susie ride in the passenger seat of his car. He offers to pay yep. for a cab. Uh, he says that, oh, we'll get, get in the back seat. There'll be a limo yeah. ride. And it, maybe you can drive. I'll let you drive. Since, and she's like, no, I don't want to drive. I'm too, you know, too panicky right now. I just want to sit. I just let me in the car. Let me in the front seat right now. And so Larry does. And he looks at her in disgust as they pull away. <laughs> and as she also starts getting more and more aroused, Larry is more and more disgusted uh, by the situation until eventually he is putting both hands over his uh, ears, trying to cover his head God as much as possible. It. And yeah, like just, just doing everything he can to avoid Susie's shrieking orgasm. Yeah. Um, and until, because he has no hands on the wheel, he hits a Mr. Softy truck. <laughs> it does just happen to be right near the building that's on fire. And Bill Buckner's there because he was just walking near his apartment and hey, there's a fire. Might as well stop and check it out. <laughs> and then there's a woman on the top floor who is worried about the well-being and safety of her baby 
and a bunch of firefighters are telling her to throw this baby out onto a tarp they're holding. Yeah, yeah, that'll definitely turn out well. This baby would have broken its neck the second it hit. Instantly, the the second it would have hit. A baby can't, you know, move its body around like a grown human can to land on a tarp like that safely. Um, so I don't think fire these these firemen can't be it couldn't have been following standard protocol saying yes throw your baby <laughs> out the you know seventh floor window and we'll catch it on this tarp I mean it cannot be that can't be standard operating procedure but she does throw the baby and it bounces off of the tarp <laughs> as, as soon as she throws the baby I knew or I I should say I thought I knew exactly where this was yeah. going. Uh, Bill Buckner goes for it, and he actually makes the catch. <laughs> he makes the catch, a diving yeah. catch. I was thinking, I'm like, oh my God, are we going to get just the the most yeah. grim ending of like, we see the baby like bounce up in the air. We see Buckner go for it. And then off camera, we just hear a oh, God. splat. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what I thought it was going to happen. I'm like, Jesus Christ! It would be, it would be the. I think the darkest. Yeah. Ending oh, it definitely was that that we would have had so oh, far. Yeah. That would have been. I mean, even without the splat, even if the screen just went like, you know, or if the crowd just went, oh, you know, that shocked crowd sound or whatever, and then frolic started to play or whatever, that still would have been very dark. Like, oh my gosh, it would have been very dark. I think, I think, I think you need this splat. <laughs> I want to be in the, on the Foley session where they're making baby splat sounds. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, we studied a lot of baby splat sounds, and so I think it's it's kind of like this rhubarb. You smack it against the, this uh, pork loin, and that's what it is. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and, uh, but Bill Buckner does make the catch. He catches this beautiful CGI baby. Did you notice the, like, horrible face they put on this doll? I did. It was... Fucking twilight levels of bad. Oh my gosh! It looked because the baby like does a little smile. This like cartoony computerized baby face like makes a little eh face when it realizes it is not going to die in the hands of Bill Buckner. Yeah, it was it was hilarious. And then it is the CGI baby is swapped for a real baby that like all babies look alike, but somehow they found the one baby that didn't look anything like the CGI baby. It was amazing. Like normally you can just like swap babies in and out, no problem. They all look the same, but but this one um <laughs> yeah, somehow they found the one baby that that doesn't look like the one they they made. Um and there are cheers and they're putting Bill Buckner up on their shoulders and he's the hero of the day. Over at uh, somebody's in somebody's bedroom, Larry and Jennifer have just got it on and Jennifer is eh, you know, it, it was it was good. But you know what I'd like to do now? Go for a long drive. And then Frolic ah. starts to play. And that's the end of the episode. Oh, my God. All right. Well, what do we got for homework this week? Uh, I just wrote down the Bill Buckner incident and next to normal. What was the? Was there any connection to Curb Your Enthusiasm that made Larry want to make sure it got a nice long mention in this episode? <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, what do you like for cover art this week? I mean, are you thinking Buckner with the baby? <laughs> Uh, I I was honestly thinking just the two shot of uh, uh, Larry and Jennifer in the car, yeah. or Larry and Susie in the car. But but that I, I did like this, and this was a Larry <laughs> Charles episode. I don't know if you noticed that, but uh, so we got a very uh, an, uh, almost like a Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle Chazelle does this shot a lot where the camera whips back and forth between two. Oh yeah, that was with Larry yeah. and Susie. Larry and Jennifer. It's a it's, it's a, a two shot. Two shot. I think. If there's yeah. one with Larry totally freaking out with Susie, I think that's maybe the I, better shot. But but Larry and Jennifer, is, I don't think is, there is. Yeah, Larry and yeah. Jennifer is fine too. But that whipping back and forth shot, I thought was really really cool. It was like on Larry it's for fine. a second. Yeah, back on really Susie, unique. back on Larry. Yeah, I, I thought that was cool. Uh, Larry Charles special. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll either make one of those work or Buckner diving and catching yeah, the yeah. baby. Uh, one one of those. A lot of lot of good visual yeah. elements e- in this episode. Even Buckner for sure. missing the ball in Jeff's apartment would be good. Yes, yeah. my God. All right, Tim. Oh wait, no wait. First off, uh, all right. Let's see what we can do about this all week's right. description. So we had. An ice cream truck triggers a painful childhood memory for Larry that has a huge impact. Oh, boy. I think we can do better. And I think one of the ways we can do it is we can mention the plot points that the Mr. Softy truck impacts. 
like you could say a traumatic experience. What is the first part? An oh. ice cream truck triggers a painful okay, childhood memory. An ice cream memory. truck triggers a painful childhood memory that affects Larry's baseball game, love life. Was there another time that the... Oh, no. Well, that was in the beginning. It didn't really affect anything with Susie and, and Larry in the beginning. So do you, should we just say that affects Larry's baseball game lo- and love life? Where do we go from there? This is a tough one. So what do we got? Yeah. I mean, we got we got the therapist. Um, does it affect his relationship with the therapist? Does it affect his therapy at all? I mean, not really. It's, he wants to talk kind, about it. I, I mean, kind of, yeah. I guess, because he, he wants to talk about it as soon as, like, he, you know, discovers something about himself. Yeah. Uh, which just happens to be not in a therapy session, and he gets billed for it. Yeah. But is that worth putting into the right. this, into the description i i think it is only because the therapist is a, it's a nice way to just bring in another plot point so like that affects larry's baseball yeah. game love life and therapy you could just say therapy is that i think that works yeah is that enough because we do need a third thing we need a, we need yeah. a third thing just for you know rule of thirds yeah yeah it sounds good yeah and i mean that it yeah i, I think that's good okay i yeah, like it cool so uh, what give it, did you give it. Did, did you happen to ask chat gpt though what they would I come will. Up will with? you give us the the final version just one last time? I'm oh yeah. Sure. Let's see. So we so we're making it. An ice cream truck triggers a painful childhood memory that affects Larry's love life, baseball oh, shit. game. What did we say? Love life, love life, baseball game, and therapy. I like it. I do like it. Okay. I like it too. Uh, and All I right. thought of a name for this bit. Uh, I'm I'm sorry that J Con J Lord Con Dog J Dog Con Lord is losing the his. His uh, naming rights to this, but I thought of a, a perfect name for this. Curb your enthuse AIism. God damn it, Tim. <laughs> and curb your enthuse IASM. Cur- <laughs> curb your enthuse AIism. Man, it's tough to say. <laughs> curb your enthuse AIism. 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 Curb your enthuse AIism. <laughs> we'll get it by season 11. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is where we plug a prompt into chat GPT and see if it can write a better summary of the episode. So here's the prompt. Write a brief summary of the ninth episode of Kirby Enthusiasm Season 8, Mr. Softy. Here we go. Chat GPT is thinking about it. In the ninth episode of Kirby Enthusiasm Season 8, titled Mr. Softy, Larry David encounters a Mr. Softy ice cream truck that refuses to serve him. <laughs> This sets off. Oh, okay. <laughs> this sets off a chain of events. It always does. That's always the second sentence. This sets off a chain of events involving Larry's determination to get an ice cream cone, ultimately leading to humorous confrontations and misunderstandings. Meanwhile, Jeff and Susie have their own troubles with an eccentric neighbor. The episode showcases Larry's knack for finding himself in absurd situations and his unyielding pursuit of what he desires. <laughs> Boo. Uh, nice try. <laughs> I don't understand why it doesn't why it doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, yeah, I mean we've we've said this before, but ChatGPT literally just takes things that already yeah. exist, are already it's written on the internet. <laughs> yeah, just take the written description from Max. Yeah. Like it's exactly. there. This bit should not work because it should just spit out what we already said earlier. But it is dumb. Uh, all right, Tim. Did you like this episode? <sighs> yeah, I did. I don't know where I am on this. Like, is, at some points in the episode, I was like, oh, this is definitely going to be my third favorite episode. Of, I'm giving it a star low, but higher than my last star low. And then towards, I guess maybe this is where I should land. Like, towards the end of the episode, I was like, I think this is a star low low. I think it's lower than my star low. It was a weird roller coaster of emotions for me, but I think I just have to land on star low low, which means I'm definitely not going to need it at the end. But wow, it had some okay. very it, it had some very funny parts All to right. me. Like I cracked up through a lot of the episode, but but I don't know why. I don't know where it I don't know where it started falling flat for me. What what about you? So I am going to give this episode a full okay. star. I really enjoyed this episode. In fact, at one point, I made sure... Let me find the uh, exact scene it was for. I made sure to turn my speech-to-text off, and that way it could get me typing down 
Larry walks in with Buckner to Jeff and Susie's to give him the baseball, throwing it up in his hands, throws it to Buckner, totally misses ball, goes outside and down into the street. Ha ha, ha ha ha, ha ha ha. Yeah, that was funny. I mean, it was a really funny episode. Like, it deserves something, I know, but for some reason, I it, it lost me at some point. I don't know why. Maybe, okay. maybe yeah. That's fair. I don't know why, but that's that's where I, that's what I'm sticking with. Okay, well, uh, next week we have got Season 8, Episode 10, the season finale of Season 8, Larry versus Michael J. Fox. And I know we had, uh, not about this episode specifically, but we had touched on this earlier on in Season 8 of, like, maybe something was a coincidence, like a like a plain joke because they were coming yeah. up on the 10th anniversary <laughs> of 9-11. Well, Tim, this episode, original air date, September 11th. 2011. Wow, the 10th anniversary. If, 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 yeah, the 10th anniversary of 9-11. I feel like if they're gonna make <laughs> a 9-11 joke, granted, they're they're filming, we learned uh, this week, uh, over over a year in advance, so I doubt they know <laughs> what uh, what the air dates are gonna be. But yeah, they, they ended up having an episode on the 10th anniversary of 9-11. But uh, if you're looking at the TV Guide that night, you are gonna see... In the season eight finale, Larry accuses NY neighbor Michael J. Fox of harassment, comma, and takes a bullet. Or wait, no. And Jeff takes a bullet for Susie. Whoa, I wonder if it's a real bullet or what. <laughs> Take us back to the beginning of the episode, uh, our episode. Uh, I definitely remember. I know what Larry accuses Michael J. Fox of. I remember a lot of this episode, I think. So I'm, and, and I remember a lot of this Buckner episode, too, for that matter. Um, so I'm excited to to see this because it has been a stellar season. So is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right, for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good! Be good!